Welcome to the Single Parent Podcast. Whether you've been a single parent for a while now or have just started on your journey, the Single Parent Podcast is a safe place for single parents to get some great information and resources, hear the stories of fellow single parents, and connect with a strong and supportive community. We want to help you go from surviving to thriving. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Single Parent Podcast. Today we have a special guest with us. Christina, if you could introduce our lovely guest today. Yes, so today we have Dawn Balish from Luminous Soul Coaching. Usually when we when we give a shout out to the business, it's usually a resource episode, but today we're actually here to listen to Dawn's story. She is a single mom and uh, part of her story actually brought her to what she's doing now. Uh, so Dawn, how would you tell us a little bit about, about you and a little bit about how uh, you started on your journey of single motherhood? Yeah, thank you so much for the beautiful introduction. Um, yeah, I, my journey has been quite long and exciting and full of highs and lows and all kinds of stuff. And so um, my journey actually started 13 years ago when I left my daughter's dad when she was five months old. And so she's wow. right now. And so I've been a single mom for 13 years. And, um, through that journey, I just recognized, like, I didn't really have a lot of support, um, through family, friends a little bit, but it always felt like a hardship when I was like asking for support and asking for, um, help if I even got to the point of asking, because as you know, as a single parent, we're like really determined to like show everybody that we can do it all and we don't need help. Like. I have no idea what you're talking about. I am just so <laughs> it's so asking for help all the time. <laughs> yeah, we love asking for help, right? <laughs> so, um, and I did, but on top of not wanting to ask for help, I didn't really have that anybody to uh, to reach out to. Like, I didn't really have a lot of the support, and so, um, and if I did, it was like huge guilt came came right after the the help that i that was that was given to me so i really didn't have a lot so i ended up just taking so much on 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 my own and like most of us and in um what i recognized is that that really doesn't work like we i burnt out i i mean when my daughter was eight years old i quit my job left my where I, I moved out packed everything up quit my my corporate job and was like i can't do this anymore like i'm exhausted i know there's something better but i don't know what it is i just need to like get out and going back to having not having a lot of support what i thought i needed was to be closer to my family because we were two hours apart and maybe if i was closer to my family then i could actually feel like i was getting that support as i'm like burnt mm -hmm. out and exhausted and yeah. and like really truly needed it and so i moved back home or close to home which is like out in the boonies in rural alberta <laughs> and, um I, I i did at the time think that i needed some fresh air and some like open spaces so that was i mean there was there was some duality around that but when i moved home i recognized that yeah like being close actually didn't convince everybody to help me because <laughs> it still didn't happen and I still wasn't asking for help. And like, it was the same thing, the same thing kind of happened. So that led me to just 
trying to figure things out, like something else, something else is out there and something else has got to um, shift for me. And I started on just a different, like a spiritual journey of this self-discovery and trying to figure myself out and figure things out in my life. So it sounds like what, what you needed after your split was some, some soul, some soul filling. It sounds, was, was the split itself actually like difficult to, to go through? Cause it sounds like it, at least from how, how you tell it, it sounds like it happened fairly quickly. Was, was that how it kind of went down or was there a little more involvement with that? Um, so my split was, it, it it sounds like it would happen fairly quickly, but it was like a long time coming. And once my daughter was born and we, I struggled, there was many, many challenges within those first five months. I just recognized, like, I didn't want my daughter to have that, that life. Um, my daughter's dad was, had addictions and lots of trauma that he was not willing to, to sort through and, or grieve, like he was, he had some grieving and stu stuff to do. And he just wasn't willing to do that. And um, I realized very quickly after she was born that that needed to, I was the only one who could make those changes for her in order to shift some generational trauma and, and have help her and support her to have a better life. And so um, it was, a hard, I mean, obviously any kind of separation like that with a child involved, especially with a child involved is very, um, very challenging and very difficult. And it was very difficult. I was young. I was very like, who, who chooses? Nobody chooses to be a single parent. That's not everyone. Well, I shouldn't say that maybe like 99% of people don't choose to be a single parent. Um, yeah. and I certainly, that was certainly not in my repertoire, like my dreams of being a single parent, like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody wakes up one day is like, yeah, you know what? I think it would be great to be a single parent and to shoulder everything. I think that would just be swell. Right. So that, I mean, that was like so intimidating for me. I was, you know, I was 26 years old and didn't have a lot of family support and, or, you know, like, and I, I wasn't in a healthy place either. I was like addicted to um, being in a relationship with someone who was, who was unhealthy. And so I didn't know what they, uh, what, what, what else was out there. And it was like very, very scary for me, but I did it. And it, it took me about three years to actually like really, really like overcome all of that, like the, the addiction really, I know the addiction of him to him. Right and um, be able to move beyond that. So for the first three years after leaving him, it was very, it was very challenging, even though he wasn't, he, he was not a present parent. He was not a responsible parent, but I had these expectations that he should be and he, what I wanted him to yeah. be. And when I finally let go of that, that's actually when things really shifted for me and we were able to move forward, me and my daughter in the best way possible. It was really, really magical. So it's, it's interesting hearing you talk about like, codependency and things like that we've done a couple episodes on like relationships yeah. and things like that and I know for me in my marriage codependency was like looking back on it it was very codependent and um it's interesting when you do have that space to look back on a relationship and you recognize so much more when you're not actually invested in it and you're not actually in it was that the case for you where you had a lot of revelations of holy crap 
this was really not healthy? Or did you know when you were in it that it was not healthy? So it's interesting. I feel like you can know a lot of things, but unless you actually like know when you accept it and embody concepts, then you don't actually know. So when I was in it, I knew like it's not healthy, like to be in a relationship with somebody who disrespects me and who cheats on me and who is mean to me and emotionally um, abusive, like psychologically abusive. I knew all of those things were not good. But like I said, I was, I like, I didn't know any different. I grew up in a home of addictions and abuse and codependency. And so that was just the, the only thing I knew. And so I was truly addicted to that, to whatever that was. I didn't know that there was something different. Um, and I think the thing that really saved me was I was, I have, I was in university at that same, or I just finished university. So while we were in relationship, um, I was taking psychology and I knew like I had some background, like I had some education to know like, oh, there is actually something better. Even though I've never experienced it, I don't know what that's like. I know like other people have. I was thinking as you were talking about when you were back with your daughter's dad before the split happened and you talked about how he had some addictions and there was some trauma there. And then when you were young, you had um, sort of a life of that too. And then I started thinking like, oh, it's like trauma bonding at that point. We don't really, we haven't talked a lot about trauma bonding and like what that is, but do you think that because of what your lifestyle was before you sort of had stayed in that relationship before leaving because you were, that's what you were used to? Oh, wow. Like that's a, such a powerful question. And I think that a lot, a lot of the time we like get scared to talk about those things because like trauma, we don't want to talk about traumas. We try to avoid those types of things. And I feel like, yeah, if we don't talk about it, how are we ever supposed to heal? Like we have to reveal to heal and we have to like bring those things up and have those healing conversations. So yeah, absolutely. That was a trauma bond. 100%. Um, when I was younger, like, so I grew up in addictions. I grew up, my dad was an alcoholic from the moment I can re recall my dad, like he, he was always drinking. And, and I, I feel like sometimes we think that alcohol doesn't, you know, it's, it's an accepted addiction. And so we just don't think about how impactful it is, but it was like, my dad was a functioning alcoholic and he literally, um, truly was not available physically, emotionally, like in any way possible. And so as I, that's all I knew, men who were not available. And um, so um, once I, you know, I, I went into adulthood and I started seeking people who would be potential relationships, um, that's all I was ever drawn to. Unavailable men who, whether they were emotionally unavailable, um, physically unavailable, spiritually, like anything unavailable across the board. And so I was absolutely drawn to that. And it was definitely a trauma bond between me and him. And there was so many horrible things that happened in that relationship. And I continued to just like, I'm going to make this work. We're going to fix this. And I'm an empath. And so as an empath, um, he, I was looking for somebody to take care of and heal. And on top of that, uh, my unhealed trauma um, and all of the 
the cycle that I was in around, um, you know, looking for unavailable men. So I had all these things stacked up against me and he's looking for somebody to take care of him. Boom. Like it was perfect. It was a perfect match. Right. And so, um, even when we want, we, I decided to leave and we came to the point of separation. Like he did not want that. Like he was so attached to me, despite right. him being so harm, causing so much harm to me. And, um, and all of those ways, right. Like disrespect, not, um, showing any kinds of emotions or anything and straying and all of the things he still was so attached to me. And I think that also caused a lot of harm after the separation, why it took so long for me to, well, and maybe it wasn't so long in my mind now in retrospect, I can like, Oh, three years, that was so long. Like, and, but it, I mean, it extended the time for me to heal from that because right. he still, like, we still have this attachment. So yeah, we have this bond. Like we can share our traumas together. We can share all of this together and we don't have to heal. Right. Like that was the unspoken yes. conversation that we had. I can relate to this a lot. Like right? just when you are someone who has gone through significant traumas and then the other person going through that too and what you said about you're just doing you're talking to each other about it but you're not healing which is so major and mm -hmm. it makes me think like how does someone even get out of that into a healthy mindset so when you did leave um does he have a relationship with your daughter at this point or um at this point he doesn't have a relationship with her so she's yeah. 13 um, two years ago, when she was, she had just turned 12, she, um, she actually made the choice not to have a relationship with him anymore. And that was her choice. And that was totally up to her. And I, from day one, even though I had, um, there was lots of unhealthy stuff happening between us. And I maybe didn't always appreciate and choose the thing or appreciate and love the choices that he was making and his parenting mm -hmm. skills, which were uh, not up to the level that I, that I would have done. Um, even despite all of that, I never, ever said a bad thing about him to her. And I, cause I always felt like, um, I, I always had hope that things would shift for him and he would, he would see differently. Um, but I also, knew that if that wasn't going to happen either way like if it if it did or if it didn't she gets to make that choice she would always get to make the choice based on her experience with him without him with me without me whatever that looks like she would still get to make that choice and so um when she was eight when we when i started making different sh like shifting in my world after i had burnt out she started asking questions about her dad and why why some of the things were going on the way that they did and um I, she was like she's very strong-willed and very persistent and i kept like throwing it off where i was like I, I didn't feel like she was old enough to have those big conversations and so i kept telling her you know what i will i will have these conversations i can tell you more um when i can figure out in a that i and when i can figure out how to tell you in a way that um, you can understand because these are really yes. big adult things that are going on. And I 100%. don't, 
I did. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't feel comfortable. And I kept telling her that she was like persistent for like two weeks. Like, did you figure out a way to tell me yet? <laughs> I love how they don't like, I don't want to say that they don't understand, but their concept of not now is so different from ours. Like we're thinking maybe like a few months, maybe years down the road. She's like next week, mom, next week, next week, tomorrow, tomorrow. in 30 minutes, yeah. in 30 minutes. <laughs> Have you figured it out now? Have you figured the it out now? No. The time is not there. <laughs> so, so it was tough. I was like, okay, well, she, she must be ready. Like she's asking daily, right? And so I did end up having to have some of those really tough conversations. And in a way, like I didn't tell her everything, but I did tell her some of the things, you know what, he's not responsible. And, you know, some of the things he can't, not because he doesn't want to be responsible. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he has, you know, he is sick. He's not well and that stops him from being responsible and stops him from being as involved with you as he would probably like to be and so um that was not a lie that was i mean that was the first time i ever had to like say something that i didn't feel like she needed to know like i i didn't i kind of like had this like protection bubble around her until she yeah. and it was always like until she asks then like i'm not gonna hide anything from her but until she asks, I'm not going to provide her with unnecessary information that could persuade her one way or another. So, well, so that's like you said, like you have to explain things in a way that they can understand. Like I, I have a friend who um, uh, has a friend uh, with a daughter and uh, that daughter's father has gone to prison. Like there's been some drama and stuff going on that side. And so like this daughter is old enough to kind of know what's going on. And so the mom called it like, well, he's, he's an adult timeout right now. And that's why he can't be here. He did something that was not okay. So like, it, it's interesting hearing you say that. Cause I feel like that's a struggle. All of us parents go through is when situations come up, how do you explain it in a way that is both honest, but also not bringing all the adult uh, kind of threads into it, right? Like, I, I thought that was really beautiful how you explained it to your daughter. How how did she feel about that? Like, did she did she want to know more or did did she kind of take that in and and that was, that landed with her? Um, well, it was really challenging because I, I, in my mind was like, okay, I can tell her like, I you know, skim the surface and she'll be fine. But she kept asking more and more questions. And so I did have to go a little bit deeper than I actually had intended. And she, um, she, I, I think like it was hard for her to hear because she interpreted it as my dad doesn't love me and he doesn't want me. And oh, they so easily do that, don't they? Like they totally turn around to yeah. I've done something or it's my fault or oh, kids, kids are both great and terrible at, at doing that. Absolutely. And it was so like, I, and no matter what I said, where it was like, no, actually that's not the case. Like I tried to like, you know, reaffirm her. It was not, she, did, she had a really, really tough time. And I think up until that point, she went back and forth with um, putting her dad up on a pedestal and, you know, like going back down and, oh, maybe he doesn't, but she wanted him to be up there. And right. So she kind of just like was going up and down like that. And up until that point, he was like, 
on a pedestal, right? Like most of the time, because he was like the weekend dad, like he could, you know, like all he had to put in was a couple hours every two weeks and Disneyland dad for the win. (laughs) And so she, she didn't know any different. And that was really, really hard. And so it totally like really, really burst her bubble. Um, and, and she, it took her probably a couple months to, um, to really recognize and to really integrate and really understand and like really, really, um, feel into it and realize that Disneyland dad that she thought she had was not exactly what that was. And so that settled for a while. And then it was about four years later when she was just after she turned 12 is when she was like so that opened the her eyes quite a bit over the next four years and then she just recognized like yeah like there's been way too many things that have happened um that she recognized were not serving her and so she she made the choice to to not have a relationship with him and she hasn't spoken to him um since december of 2020 so like a year well it'll be two years in december so um yeah so it is really sad and really unfortunate and i always hope that you know maybe things will change and shift but but we are actually in the process of going in court right now so that i can get full custody because he's he has currently in our current court order he has um some decision making rights Mm -hmm. and that's actually preventing her from accessing certain resources that are not appropriate. So um, yeah, so we're in that process. So even, I mean, I'm, I'm taking full responsibility for whatever that is. And even if that does change, that's not gonna, and like my role as her sole guardian, her sole parent is not gonna change. So, right. Yeah, and, that, and that's not an easy choice you necessarily i mean maybe maybe it maybe it was was it an easy choice to like push for sole custody was that something that was kind of a no-brainer for you at this point you're laughing i'm gonna say yes (laughs) you know what i think everyone has their own story right and i i remember when i first left her dad she was five months old i was 26 years old i you know like i kind of i was on mat leave when i left him and kind of like it was it was not an easy decision but i remember people lots of people and still to this day people will say it but they would be like oh i would tell them that i left him and then it's just me and her and whatever and they would be so apologetic like oh i'm so sorry that that happened and i would be like actually that was the best thing that we ever decided to do like i didn't dream of being a single mom but it's a way better position than our situation than it would be if I stayed. And so, and so when I think about even going for sole custody, like I, I feel like I'm at the point where um, it's the same kind of situation, right? Where I'm like, I, you know, we've tried to make this work. He's never wanted to be a part of her. He, he has actually made the choices not to be a part of decision-making. And so I've kind of been doing it on my own already. Um, Where it counts is like right now she needs she wanted she asked me to be in counseling specifically about like how she's dealing with the situation with her dad and he's refusing to give allow her to go to counseling oh i 
I understand oh. that. I've been through that. And it's awful when you just don't have a way to give them the resources that they need because of a piece of paper from court saying that you need it. So I wish you the best in that process. I think it shall go in your favor. I mean, it seems like you've been doing everything that you need to be doing on your end. And it's really unfair for a child not to be able to access things based on someone not allowing her to go and access that. And I think, I think personally, a lot of the times the other parent that is not wanting it is because they are in fear of things coming out about them. And if you have nothing to hide, <laughs> you shall not worry about what is said, right? So I, yeah, I hope that it happens a lot quicker for you. I was gonna ask, what are the, what's been the biggest challenge for you as a single mom? And this could be one of them, but I'm sure there's a few that sort of ring a bell in your mind, like, oh, that was the toughest thing I went through. Um, You know what, I don't know, like, I feel like, there are uh, there's been so many challenges and like my daughter's dad has not been very pleasant to to work with as to co-parent um he really hasn't been a co-parent unfortunately like that's always what i desired like let's have birthday parties together let's do this like i i was always super open and he was always so closed and and i think uh, like what you just said like he doesn't want anyone to know that he's not like this like the Disneyland dad that he tells everybody he is or that so he shows up on social media as and so he never wanted anybody to see the true like the real deal and so he would never agree um mm -hmm. as well as if I if he agreed he I think felt like he lost or something like that's how he would see things which I right. like I don't understand that concept but, <laughs> but um mm -hmm. we you know what I I feel like there's there's been so many little challenges and I can, I mean, I look back and I laugh at some of the things that I've had to go through, like the drama that was caused over such piddly little things. Um, but I think the biggest challenge for me was, I think just being able to like support my daughter in a way that, that she, um, I can be neutral around her dad with and like she, and when she asks questions and she's, you know, she's, she's inquiring about things about him and I had to become, be like completely neutral. And that's like an emotional thing. Like it wasn't physical, like there's lots of physical things yeah. that are challenging, right? Balancing all the hats, doing all the things, paying the bills, like all the things. And, but that emotional space, like to hold that space for her in a way that's not going to impede her um her perception of yes that gave life to her right like I, I never wanted that and I feel like that's been the biggest challenge because I mean I would cry at night when I had to have like the things that he would say to me or do to her um he put her in some really unsafe and unhealthy situations and the things that would happen and I had to just hold on to that and not let it interfere in our relationship because I believe and I always trust that in order for her to continue to trust me and know that I will I'm not going anywhere like I'm not going to fall off the face of the planet um I need to like 
be neutral around that. And so that has been quite challenging. So, oh, it's, um, it's so difficult. I, I have total solidarity with that because my, uh, my split was not the most, it, it wasn't my choice to, to split. And the way that he went about it was just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't good. And how we handled things afterwards, like you really have to bite your tongue because you don't want to come across as talking bad about the other parent because it's going to come back that, that that's what the kids are going to remember. Right. And I, I so understand that difficult line to walk between honesty and also not damaging the relationship between your kids and their dad. That is such a tight, like a ridiculous line to walk. And I think a lot of parents, you know, go through that as well when they're navigating this, whether you're at the beginning of the process in the middle, or, you know, you kind of reached a bit of a conclusion. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, my ex and I have gotten to a point where we are peacefully co-parenting. We have a fairly decent co-parenting relationship with our kids. Um, but there's still days where I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> there's still days where I just, he is really not my favorite person, but I can't let that get into how I deal with the kids or like, you know, um, cause they're excited to see him and they love him. And, um, you know, I got to walk that line, but it, it, it's interesting. Cause even though your daughter has made the choice to not have any contact with her dad, um, it sounds like, like you still have that mentality of, I'm not going to speak badly about him, even though she has said, I don't want to have any contact with him. Um, is she still asking questions? about that or has have things kind of settled and it's kind of like you don't really talk about him anymore how, how does that how does that work now so it's really interesting I, I I mean he doesn't really come up in conversation a lot but I know like she is I did had I did have to get her I get a judgment so she could go into counseling so she is seeing a counselor now so she does have she has those conversations with somebody else and not that she doesn't feel comfortable with me I just feel like she, we all, we all need somebody external outside of our family support system or whoever it is to have somebody to talk to in a neutral space. And so she, she ends up having those conversations uh, with somebody else. And that's, I, I'm super grateful for that because then I, I don't feel like I have to, you know, like um, not hide anything, but I don't feel like I have to you know, candy coat anything or anything like that, which I never have. But I mean, I, I just want her to feel the safest as she can. Um, when she does, she does bring him up. And she's just like, uh, it's interesting, because she's never like, she's never really said anything horrible about her dad. And she still doesn't, but she'll like, she has some trauma responses that come up now. And um, the system doesn't support stuff, you know, like the, the emotional abuse, the psychological abuse. And I, I think they're getting there, but I know they, they, that hasn't been always the case. And so for her, like she, that's what she's experienced. And so now she has these trauma responses and she'll, I'll ask her, like, like, it doesn't, it doesn't fit our world. Like she responds so strangely to something that is not, it's not, a, it's not an appropriate response. And so I'll ask her, like, where did, why did that happen? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, we've never, I, I, like, I'm not a yeller. I'm not, right. Like, I'm not, I don't do things where she would have those reactions. 
and she'll just say, oh, my, it's because my dad used to do that. Like she'll tell me now, but she never would say that before. But I know like, and to me now she's healing. Like, yeah, she has these trauma responses, but we can come back and have conversations about it. And she feels safe to talk about it with me. And that to me, like, I, I hate that I was forced to have for her to be in a situation where she would be exposed to that. And I fought it, I fought it, believe me, I've been in court, like she's 13 years old and we were in court for 13 years, basically. Um, so I fought it, but the world that we live in doesn't support, you know, stopping that kind of stuff. And I, like I said, we are getting there, but um, it's not, we're not there yet. And so, right. um, so I'm, I'm so grateful that she actually gets, she's in that space at this age mm -hmm. to be able to be in a healing space where she can actually talk about it and feel safe to talk about it and know that, and, and not have fear about that. And so, um, so that's how we have those conversations about him. And, um, and we talk about <clears throat> her dad feeling too, right? Like she knows that he's not in a good space. She actually said to me a couple weeks ago or maybe like a month ago now she's like you know mom you don't have to worry about me ever being a bad teenager like I'm not going to be a bad teenager and I was just like oh my god like I have goosebumps like really like I'm so grateful that she feels safe number one to tell me that number two that she doesn't feel like she has to um you know fall into like the typical teenager um experience you know drinking and partying and stuff like she has no interest in that and you know like and i also know that that could shift i mean anything can happen in those teenage years and i'm open to that but for her to be able to feel safe and comfortable to tell me that and trust herself right like i i think that mm -hmm. um i'm so grateful that she is in that space and that yeah, I'm hoping that she won't be a bad teenager. <laughs> <I> <laughs> Don't we all that. hope that? <laughs> I can feel like that. Five years, we'll, have, we'll do it. We'll just check in. <laughs> yeah, did she follow through on what she said she was not going to be? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have a follow up, and maybe we'll do three years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be like the perfect timing. Like, so how's it going? Right? Wow. <laughs> but how beautiful is this? Like I I never thought that I would ever get to this space where I've um you know broken the trauma the generational cycle of trauma, right? Where she doesn't want to be like I grew up in an alcoholic home. Like I couldn't wait to get my hands on some, you know, like a beer or whatever and go partying. Like I that was I, I never thought that that was not part of my life. And here she is, like that's it has nothing she's not even on that wavelength and I just think it's so beautiful and I'm so grateful that you know we can shift these cycles we can break the cycles we can you know we can make some changes for our future generations and I know I've done that for her and I know that she is going to do that for her future generations as well so it's beautiful I love that I love that because yeah, the breaking the that generational cycle is so difficult, so difficult. Like even even in um, families of of my friends, like you you see behaviors kind of being passed down, and I hear about things about how you know families treat each other, like not even dealing with addiction, but just how how you behave around other people, how you treat other people, and it's like it's passed down from grandparent to parent, like you know, and it, I just think that's 
it's a hard thing to do when it's feels like it's ingrained in you almost. It's like, it's like you have to fight against it to break it. And it, it is so difficult, so, so difficult to do that. And I'm, I'm so glad that it's you with your daughter, like you've done that. And she, even at 13, she sounds hella strong and I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I do. Aww. Like, especially at this point in time, because getting into those teen years is, it's hard enough. I mean, I still remember bits and pieces about being a teenager and I've had people, you know, say, well, you know, well, what, if you could be any age, what, what would you be? And I've heard people say, well, I'd go back to high school. Like, why would you go back to high school? That's like the worst, the worst (laughs) place to go back to. I mean, maybe high school is great for you, but for me, no, thanks. No, thank you. Junior high was worse than high school. Like I, yes, those like beginning hormones were much worse. Like, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes that's like this I'm so glad that my kids are in a k to nine school that just kind of eliminates that microcosm of seven to nine because I yeah you're absolutely right I remember that as being worse than high school and that's where my daughter is right now she's coming into she's 12 this year and next year she'll be 13 so she's starting to get into that you know I hear things from her you know, about what's going on at school and what kids are talking about. And I'm just thinking, oh, Lordy, Lordy. Okay. All right. Here we go. Mama's got to do some mental prep for this because it's here. (laughs) Start prepping now. Start prepping five years ago. (laughs) Exactly. There's so much like just trying to figure out where they belong mixed with hormones and mixed with some drama. And like if, if, you know, separated families, right? Like there's so many layers and so it's hard. I, without a doubt, <laughs> right? Yeah, so grateful that you know, like, as a parent, I have been able to do my own healing, and I've been able to. I mean, I if I didn't choose and figure out that there was something better when I burnt out, like I'm so grateful for that burnout. Like, because if I didn't know that and I didn't recognize there was something better in my life, there was something better to look forward to then I wouldn't have gone through my own healing journey and where would we like, we wouldn't be, she wouldn't be the teenager that she is right now. And so, um, I mean, sometimes we see things as, I see situations like how we're raising our children as exactly right here, the right here and right now, like what is going on in this moment? And it's, I mean, we got to take some radical responsibility for ourselves as well. And, and take care of ourselves, take care, do the inner work, do some inner healing. And that's how we shift that. That's how we make those, you know, break those cycles and make um, or create more abundant and more um, healed future generations. So I love that. I love that. And I actually, I actually wanted to ask when you had your, um, your shift, like when you quit your job and, and all of that it sounds like you kind of went into what you're doing now, you know, your, your split and your, your healing journey. It sounds like that was a catalyst for doing what, what you do now. So how, how would you tell us a little bit about what, what you are doing now and how your journey kind of led you to, to that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I realized like, yeah, I need something more, I started like recognizing. So the work that I used to, I was a in my previous life, I was a behavioral specialist and a counselor. And so worked tons with people with um, addictions and mental illness and disabilities and human services, social services. And so some really, really deep work. 
And I did a lot of professional development, a lot of personal development, and here use all these tools. And my toolbox was like full, my bucket was so full. But I, what I recognized was all of these, um, all of these things that I was like built, bringing into my toolbox and, and filling my cup and filling my bucket full was, um, for, I, I wasn't using it for myself. I was using it for like in my mind, it was for everybody else. Everybody else needed my help, but I wasn't taking care of myself. And so when I started recognizing like, wow, I have all these tools that I can actually use for myself. I started, you know, going down the rabbit hole of like personal development. So adding into my bucket and adding more and more and more and more stuff. And, and that ultimately led me to recognizing that um, yeah, I still like, I love helping people and I love supporting people. Um, and, and I want to continue to do that, but in a different way. And the different way for me was to move into coaching and mentorship, um, for, and which then, I mean, I started out that way and then moved specifically to work with single moms, um, and, and building community and building connection and building, um, support for single moms, because, it really boiled down to like, I didn't have that stuff. And mm -hmm. I could have like been on that journey much, much faster and much sooner had I had the right supports and had I had a community and a tribe really, right? Like um, we start to isolate ourselves. Um, as soon as, you know, when we become single parents, like that, you know, like, because we want to do everything ourselves, we don't want to look like a failure. Everybody's expecting us to be a failure and every, you know, like we can't do it ourselves. So we start to isolate ourselves subconscious or unconsciously, right? Like we're not typically doing it like consciously. And so um, in order to just like break that, I, it, so it was just so important for me to recognize like that these beautiful single moms, these, they really need community. And so I'm, that's what I do now is just really supporting, uh, you know, I do community nights and I do um, retreats and help moms go whatever with whatever stage they're at in their journey whether it's like right you know right from separation they're there or two years later or they've been single moms for years what is it that they really need support with and how can they start to take care of themselves and heal a lot of the trauma and a lot of the work i end up doing because it relates to my situation is you know working through some of the healing of having a narcissistic partner and um, and moving forward from that kind of stuff and healing the generational trauma and healing so we can support our kids. And then that leads into like conscious parenting and how do we talk to our kids and, and support them and be those, those role models that, um, that we strive to be, but because we've got all this baggage, all this stuff we're like carrying around on our shoulders or wherever, um, mm -hmm. in our bodies, we can't do it because we don't have the energy. We don't have, we feel like, like we don't have the energy. We feel like we don't have the time. We feel like we don't have the expertise, the tools, whatever it is. Um, so we just don't do it. And so that's, yeah. that's for me, that it's such, it's um, such a gift that I can give these women to be able to like, just give them a little bit of empowerment and, and it help them take their power back because that's really ultimately what's happened is that we feel like we've taken, we've lost our power because hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. That is anymore. Yeah. Right? 
yeah, feeling feeling powerless is the the worst, especially when you are the only person who can take care of your children in that given moment. Like as a single parent, as single parents, we can't tag out. We can't say, can you please take care of the kids while I deal with this? We have to simultaneously deal with whatever crises we're dealing with at the time and be a parent. And little eyes are always watching you. Like there's so many times that I feel like I have failed as a parent because I have lost my cool. I have said the wrong thing. I have, you know, like just all of that plays into it and there's um there's such enormous pressure to be all things all the time and never make a mistake and it's not possible as much as I tell myself it is it is not possible (laughs) it is just not possible and where do they find you um if anyone's looking for your services where would they find you on social media um so I'm on Facebook as John Bollish that's it's just my my full name and then um on instagram you can find me at single mama sisterhood and um and i also have a facebook group that's called soulful single mamas so um we do all kinds like i share all kinds of beautiful content free content i share my programs that i'm doing in there and um that's where we do like all of our get-togethers and everything and all of the beautiful things so um so yeah that's where you can find me and awesome yeah thank thank you so much for for coming on the podcast today and talking about your experiences and and sharing with us what what you're doing to you know help single moms we have a bit of solidarity with that because you know like that's what christina and i christina you're not christina you're christina i mean i I sort of like it if we go out one night maybe that could be like my other name I usually make up a name when I go out. It's been a long time since I've gone out, but that could be fun. Jeez, <laughs> I can alter speak ego. it properly here, yes. you know, but that that's what Christina and I are trying to do with this as well is taking our own experiences and using, you know, what we've been through to help other parents, you know, single parents. And, and I love that you are using your experience because um, you can come at it from a place of understanding and a place of, I get it, I legit get what you're going through because I've been through it myself and I love that you're you're doing that do you uh do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today in like your journey as a single parent what you do now um anything at all yeah I think the the biggest takeaway is you know what it's hard it is hard being a parent and it's hard being a single parent and it's okay that it's hard we you know once we and, and we're not here to do all the things right. We're not perfect. We are, you know, it's not, there's no right or wrong. Like whatever happened, happened. And it is what it is. And it's just about knowing and recognizing that we can do better next time. And um, letting go of the, all the expectations of what you're supposed to be and what you, um, how you're supposed to show up as a single parent and um, let go of all of that stuff. There's there's nothing that you should be except for exactly what you are right now in this moment. And it's okay to ask for help, ask for help, because you know what, some people's love language is giving help. Like that's what they actually want to do. Acts of service. Yes. (laughs) So find out who your acts of service people are and ask them for help and, and be okay with receiving it. Because when you let go of the guilt, when you let go of the fear, um, you're actually going to find that 
there's a whole community, a whole little village out there that actually wants also needs the same thing. So, um, so every day is a new day. Every moment is a new moment and um, embrace all of those embody exactly how you truly want to be and go with that. And, and your kids are going to thank you for it, no matter what that looks like for you. I love that. Yes. hundred percent to absolutely everything you just said. I, that, that's I agree. Phenomenal. I strongly agree. Strongly agree. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank, thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts and your story today. We really appreciate you being so vulnerable about your experiences and yeah. Thank, thanks for coming on today. Thank you. It's beautiful. It's so great to connect um, with other single moms who are wanting to create solidarity and community and, and, um, and just have a beautiful tribe, whatever that looks like for everybody. So I'm grateful that this, this we made this connection. Awesome. Us too. So much, Dawn. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And to all of our listeners, um, just a reminder, you can find Dawn on Facebook. Uh, Luminous Soul Coaching is the name of her business. So go and give her a follow. Uh, If you're interested in her services, definitely get in touch with her. And uh, to everyone else, thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Stay tuned for posts that we have. Uh, coming up. We do post about other things other than our amazing episodes that we post. We do, uh, Christina does an excellent job of keeping up with our social media and posting uh, stories and and things from previous guests and and organizations that we're associated with. So uh, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode. You can find more great episodes featuring helpful information and amazing stories by searching Single Parent Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or visit www.lifesongfilms.com and click podcast. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, we're We're all all in this this together. together.